Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. So basically what we're doing here today is uh, a live Q&A answering questions to the members of my free Facebook group, Tom the Trainer's Tribe. And every Wednesday, people get to ask questions on the uh, previous Tuesday. And then I will go in and I will answer those questions to give you help with your fitness goals. So if you're not in Tom the Trainer's Tribe, join Tom the Trainer's Tribe right now. And let's get into it. So one moment here. First thing I'm going to do is answer a question for Miguel. And Miguel's question is, I've been playing around by upping protein and keeping carbs low, and I'm noticing a difference in the density of my muscle mass while doing a slow cut. And I'm really happy with my results, but I'm wondering if it's okay with that much protein or if I'm just wasting it. Here are my daily calories, and I still enjoy a weekly refeed meal because Miguel's a previous client. He uses my luxury lifestyle allowance where we cycle calories and we include a high caloric intake day once per week on weekends so that you can enjoy the favorite foods that you love and not worry about blowing your diet on weekends when it's more likely that you're going to run into uh, times of which where you might have social events that um, maybe mean that you don't necessarily or can't necessarily be as focused with your nutrition. So Miguel's 135 pounds. He's been dieting for six weeks, wants to diet another six. Started at 140 pounds and he's currently weighing 137. He wants to get down to 135 while increasing muscle mass and having his measurements increase when it comes to the areas that are not his waist. So right now, Miguel's got 100 grams of carbs per day, 35 grams of fat, 146 grams of protein for roughly 1,300 calories. So when I look at this diet, I guess the first thing that I would want to ask is about energy levels. Um, Fats being 35 grams of fat per day, to me, I would say are very low uh, and a little bit lower than I would ever go on a diet. Like generally, I don't like to get below 50-ish grams of body fat for a person uh, unless it's like the last couple of weeks while getting ready for maybe a photo shoot prep or getting ready for a fitness competition. There are things that are important as it relates to your hormones with your fat consumption. And I find that when your fat intake gets lower than around 50 grams per day, uh, it affects energy levels. Sometimes it can affect your sleep. Uh, So to me, that seems a little bit low. 
right now though things are working for Miguel. So I would say it's not end of the world for fat to be that low. However, it would only be something that I would want to keep that low short term just because of the hormonal effects that um, body fat in your diet has, right? 146 grams of protein at around 140-ish pounds, I would say is probably not excessive. Now, I'm heavier. I'm a 200-pound-ish male. Um, and there are times where I will have my... I will have my protein intake at like 1.25 or even maybe 1.5 grams per pound, depending on how far into a diet I am. So I think if I were to give feedback on this is I think hundred grams of carbs is, is fine. And I think 146 grams of protein is also fine, but I would think I would personally probably lower protein a little bit to get that fat per day, like up around 45 grams of fat minimum, I would say. Now, the other thing with this as well is like, you gotta listen to your body, listen to how you're responding. Do you feel really good while you're on this diet, right? Listen to your body. So for me personally, I've done a lot of photo shoot preps and what I've found is it's, um, it's really best to listen to your body and don't feel as though you're grinding per se. So the easiest photo shoot prep I've ever done, um, I believe it was the easiest I've ever done was because of the frequency of which I was working out with my caloric intake. And I, uh, my hormones were in a good spot because I was getting really good sleep and my energy levels were good and my fats were always above 50 grams per day. So I, I would say I wouldn't necessarily look at this and want to up my carbohydrates if it were me personally. I would, if I were to lower protein, I would lower protein to increase fats a little bit. Now, having said that, sometimes um, there are sneaky fats that may not be accounted for when you're using something like MyFitnessPal. So just because MyFitnessPal says you only have 35 grams of fat in your diet doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you have in your diet because MyFitnessPal is a great tool to use. However, there can be some inaccuracies in the information within the database. And I believe it's because anybody can input information in the database and then it just is in the database as credible information, right? So I could go into the database and I could put that um, a five ounce chicken breast is 200 grams of protein and 25 grams of fat, um, and it would accept that, right? So, so I would say make sure that you're feeling well, make sure that you're sleeping well, make sure that your energy levels are there. And another thing is like, a, a good indication that your fats are too low, in my opinion, is like, how is your sex drive? If your sex drive is really low on a diet, then, or for women, 
if like hormonal changes are taking place that are affecting a woman's cycle, then I would say you want to increase your fats. So that's my feedback on that diet is a few things. How are you feeling? How's your sex drive? How's your sleep? Uh, and be mindful that my fitness pal can sometimes lack accuracy in the information within there. So take my fitness pal's information, compare it to how you're feeling. And is there an indication that your fats are too low, then maybe increase them um, and do so in place of your proteins. I would never get my proteins lower than 0.8 ish grams of body fat per day, especially when you're really lean. I would probably want to keep it more around one gram per day. So if I were to personally do this and look at this diet, I would probably pull about uh, 10 grams of body fat, or pardon me, I would pull about 10 grams of protein for about 10 grams of fat. They're not equal. Fat is more calories, but I still think you would be fine because a difference of like 40 or 50 calories per day in your diet is not going to make a difference. But a difference of having enough fats in your diet will, right? In fact, having more calories, but more fats and having your fat content at a better level hormonally is better than having more calories and less fat. So hopefully that helps. We're going to move on to the next question here. The biggest thing is like what you're doing working. A thing that I love about listening, about looking at Miguel's question is like, he's clearly tracking everything. Because Miguel was uh, a client of mine slash like, you know, student of mine for 15 months. So he's probably got a pretty good handle on things. But that's, those are things that I would look at when I'm looking at a diet and being like, what would be my first concerns per se, or first flags that I would look at. So next question here, I'm just going to organize them so that they're in order from who asked first. So Dave's asking, what workout works your core the hardest? And I do planks and the usual stuff, but looking for something that I can really, really feel. Okay. So I'm going to get into this question, but I'm going to drop my Instagram live right now. If you're watching this live on Instagram, go to the link in the description of my bio and go join Tom the Trainer's Tribe if you want to watch the rest of this, especially if you want to get your questions answered as well, because we'll do this every Wednesday. So as a recap, what exercise works your core the hardest? I like planks and the usual stuff, but looking for something that's going to create more challenge on your core. So me personally, when it comes to core exercises, I am a huge, huge believer in planks, side planks, reverse planks, where you're elevating your heels, maybe on a bench or a BOSU ball. Also, you can do a plank on a BOSU ball and do something that's called, um, I call them around the world or stir the pots where you make circles, controlled circles with the BOSU ball in a plank position. What's really important when you're doing a plank as well is, is your spine neutral? You should be trying to suck your belly button up into your spine as hard as you can in a plank, and there should be no sag in your low back. On a side plank, same idea is like when you're on your elbow on your side, 
you should have a straight line from the from your your spine where it connects to your skull all the way down to your hip and there should be no sag in your hips okay um, another thing that you can do that's an amazing exercise is you go from a full plank where you're on both elbows you control and you rotate onto a side plank and what's key is there's no twist in your spine so you push off with the opposite arm and you use that momentum to turn sideways and get into a side plank and then you go back to a regular plank and then you push off on the other arm make sure you're using that little bit of momentum because you want to keep your core stable and then wind up on the other elbow in a side plank those are phenomenal um another thing that's great for training your core is a copenhagen plank where you're in a side plank and you put one leg on a bench while the other leg is on the floor. And then you can increase the difficulty of that exercise by keeping your hip stable and not make and not, not allowing for it to sag. So your bot the bot the hip side of your hip that's closest to the ground shouldn't sag towards the ground. And you can elevate the bottom leg and get it to pinch the bottom side of the the uh, bench. Really, really phenomenal exercise there. Another phenomenal exercise for your core is hanging leg raises. I like to do them in a straight arm position where your arms are up overhead like this and you're hanging and you control your and you control your core and you do with straight legs where you bring your legs up towards the ceiling. And then as you're doing that, I try to suck my belly button in. So there is like a, so that my low back almost rounds a little bit, but it's fine because there's no torque on the spine in that position because you're axial loading because your loading is up and down and hanging in an overhead position is really, really great for like shoulder mobility and other things like that. Reverse hyperextensions as well are a phenomenal exercise for your core. And then like dead bugs are a phenomenal exercise for your core. And you can increase the difficulty of a dead bug uh, by trying to get a lot of them done. So you move quick, but with a lot of control. Really great for your core. Next question is from Jack. What's your priority for weight loss? Would it be lifting, diet, cardio, rest, and sleep? So phenomenal question. I love this question. When it comes to your priority for weight loss, there's a lot of people who say things like diet is 80%. But I personally believe that everything is like equal per se. You need to balance everything in a sense of your diet's extremely important. Your training is extremely important. Are you training specifically for weight loss? That's going to play a factor because the law of specificity matters. Um, as well as cardio is important, but I wouldn't do too much cardio. I try to do the least amount of cardio possible to lose one to two pounds per week. And I don't increase my cardio until that weight loss slows down. And then rest and sleep is absolutely crucial. If you're getting less than seven hours of sleep per day, you're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to losing body fat. 100% you are. Like I said before, the easiest prep I've ever done for a photo shoot, I was sleeping very, very well. 
So all of them are important. I don't know if I could say that any one of them is more important than the other um, for longevity, right? They're all really, really important. And I think it's a great question because he mentioned all the things that matter. Um, and with rest and sleep, but like another way to look at that is, is like recovery. Like, are you recovering from your workouts? Are you, if you're always sore, always sore, then you're probably training too hard too often. And if you're not sleeping well enough, then you're probably training too hard too often. And you're probably not eating enough, right? When it comes to sustainable fat loss. Um, but when it comes to lifting versus cardio, I would say lifting is more of a priority than cardio because you want to send a signal to your body for how you want your body to respond. And all of us have seen skinny fat marathon runners. None of us have seen skinny fat sprinters because sprinters need explosive power in their muscle. So their body needs to maintain the power, right? It's also why I'm a big fan of HIT for cardio. However, you need to make sure that your HIT cardio is not affecting your recovery. So, you know, sometimes HIT cardio is phenomenal because it's burst cardio and you need to maintain your muscle in order to do the bursts that come from HIT cardio. <clears throat> However, it's a balance in your training. So I personally train extremely hard extremely hard. So recently I've gotten away from HIIT training and I focused more on steady state cardio because when I do that, it allows me to train harder, which I believe is better for muscle growth and retention. And the steady state cardio doesn't affect my recovery. Whereas the HIIT cardio will because of how hard I train. If you're not training as hard, then HIIT cardio might be a better option. I train, it's not, I don't want to like pat myself on the back or blow pump my own tires, but I train extremely hard, like extremely hard. Like I'm generally always the hardest working person in the gym. Um, and I like to pick training partners. I like to push really, really hard too. So when it comes to your cardio selection, you got to understand, are you recovering from your cardio? And if you aren't recovering from your cardio, maybe you should lower the intensity of the cardio or lower the intensity of your training. But it's way more fun to train hard than it is to run fast, in my opinion, right? And sleep is actually absolutely huge. If you're getting up in the morning on like five and six hours of sleep to do fasted cardio, then you're missing the point, right? Prioritize your sleep to get your cardio in. And if you have an option of, I'm going to sleep five hours per night because I need to get up and do cardio or I'm going to sleep seven hours. I would absolutely sleep seven hours. And then I would look at your time management as to like, how can I manage my time better? Because I do need to in, in, increase my cardio levels a little bit, but never, ever, ever at the cost of sleep. Does that make sense? Everybody just say makes sense in the chat or did you find that useful? Comment useful in the chat. So it's a phenomenal question. And it's just all of those things are extremely important. When it comes to what do you want to focus on? Lifting, diet, cardio, rest, and sleep. I would say, what do you feel you're lacking the most attention to 
and focus on that so that you get all of those things in alignment to get the best results. So next question is from Robert and it is, is there an optimum rest time between reps? I've heard everything from 30 seconds to five minutes. Is there, I'm going to assume that this question is, is there, is there an optimum rest time? Pardon me. Is there an optimal rest time between sets? Should you rest as little as 30 seconds or should you rest up to five minutes? This all depends on the goal of your training. Okay. I've got an upcoming podcast that's talking about how to build a fat loss program and different rest intervals are better for a different outcome. In my opinion, if you're trying to lose body fat, then you should be keeping your rest intervals very short and optimizing things like supersets, triple sets, giant sets, so that you're getting a lot of volume and a lot of work done in a short amount of time when it comes to fat loss. Now, anything over 90 seconds to three minutes is going to be better for building muscle. And some would argue that like a three minute rest time is best for building muscle because the number one component to building muscle, a really important component, I should say, to building muscle is the overall training volume. If you're using a, a, a lower intensity training, not like a hit, for example, like high intensity training, not high intensity interval training. So if you're using a more conventional training model, upwards of a three minute rest interval is really good for muscular growth because it'll allow for you to lift heavier on subsequent sets. You'll be able to challenge the muscles harder because of the rest that you created and the time for recovery between sets for muscle growth. Okay. Now, five minutes is more better for strength. So if you're lifting, if your goal is to lift a lot of weight, say a power lifter, their goal is to lift heavy in the squat, bench, and deadlift. It's better to have longer rests if the purpose of that training session is to increase strength. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't include shorter rest intervals when training for strength in maybe um, different like workouts. It just means if the intention of that workout is strength, then long rest intervals are better. But you should still use shorter rest intervals and accessory lifts to bring up strength in the muscle and improve your cardiovascular ability. Because if your cardiovascular ability is high, your recovery will be better and it will make you stronger. So what's the best rest interval between sets, it depends on the goal of which you're trying to accomplish. There's too much black and white information out there right now that, and it's because of short form content, like this is best, that is best. Nobody's going to listen to content that says this is best if, and, or, but everybody just wants simple answers to things. So it really does depend. Okay. The law of specificity is something I preach of all the time. What are your goals? Your training should be specifically designed for the outcome of that goal. And your rest interval is a consideration within the specificity of your training. Okay. Is that really helpful for everybody?
Carlos is asking the best compound F, pardon me, the best compound exercise for thicker arms. So awesome question. The best compound exercise for thick arms, in my opinion, would be a reverse grip lat pull down or a reverse grip chin up with a fairly narrow grip because of the carry angle that's created you will get a lot of bicep in a reverse grip lat pull down or a reverse grip chin up and then when it comes to your triceps a close grip bench is going to be great for triceps now with that if you're targeting triceps in a close grip bench, a really cool thing to do is take a yoga block and put it on your chest. So the range of motion stops where it's most challenging to your tricep. Come down into the bench press, press onto the yoga block, tighten your back, tighten everything, stay strict, stay tight, and then press off. Okay. So the best two exercises, comp, the best two compound exercises for building mass in your arms are going to be a reverse grip chin up or reverse grip lat pull down based on your capability or a close grip bench press and stop the range of motion on your close grip bench press by placing a yoga block on your chest so that you're not involving a lot of shoulders and a lot of chest in the exercise it kind of negates the point of doing a compound exercise but again What's the goal? What's the outcome of this exercise? How do I optimize the outcome of this exercise for what I want to accomplish, right? Everything that we do in the gym should be extremely intentional. Everything that we do in our lifestyle should be extremely intentional. And everything we do with our diet should be extremely intentional. So step number one to knowing what's best to do is what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? If you know what you're trying to accomplish, then you can determine what's best or what's best for you because you're clear on what the intention of all your decisions are when it comes to your fitness. I also have another question here from, from Jeff and it's just regard it's in regarding to coming off um, cardiac arrest uh, and after waiting two years to get things going with this, to be honest with you, your best bet is to 100%, 100% um, speak to your doctor uh, because you, and, and I wouldn't want to ever give advice on this because like I don't ever want to give advice that supersedes that of a doctor um, or ever put somebody at risk, right? So I will say when it comes to determining what, is it where's a good place to start when it comes to determining where's a good place to start with a fitness goal? Like how should you build your workouts? How often should you train all those kinds of things? You have to consider where's your current condition and what's a good starting point for that where you're creating some challenge, but not exceeding your ability. Right. Um, so, that's a general answer for where do you start, but not specifically to coming off a heart attack, like specifically to coming off a heart attack. It's like talking to your doctor and being like, what can I do? And maybe asking specific questions to your doctor. I want to get in shape and you know, I don't want to have another heart attack and I don't, uh, and I want to be healthy. 
what can I do? Is it safe for me to do walking? And is it safe for me to start out with three 10 minute walks per day? Would that be safe for me to do? And then you'll get a very clear yes or no answer. So I think when it comes to determining what you can do, especially in an event like this, is you got to ask your doctor. Doctors are really, really busy. Unfortunately, they're overwhelmed. So you got to be really specific in the questions you ask in order to get clarity, right? The best way to avoid misunderstandings in any situation in life is to communicate clearly. Communicate clearly create clear expectations and that allows for you to execute on those expectations that were clear and then have timely follow-ups with people. Okay. Well, I've been walking because you said that was okay. Hypothetically. And now I feel pretty good. Can I increase how often or how long I walk? They might say, well, I wouldn't necessarily increase how long you're walking for, but I would increase maybe how often to get your step count up. Okay, great. I'm going to do that. Right. Very, very clear communication, clear questions, clear expectations. Can I do this? Don't ask your doctor, what do you think I can do, right? Very black and white questions. I hope that helps. And then the last question I have from Isaiah on my IG feed is regarding um, hard gainers. So uh, Isaiah says that some people seem to have a hard time gaining muscle and they feel like no matter what they do, they can't gain muscle um, and they can't gain weight. What should you do? If you're having a hard time gaining weight and you're extremely skinny, then you probably need to get really, really focused on the things that actually work. And unfortunately, there's all this information from supplement companies and everybody trying to sell something that want to sell you an easy fix. And then people believe that they've tried everything because they've used bulking powders or they've tried creatine, you know, or whatever the case may be. They've drinking a gallon of milk every single day. There's some ridiculous shit out there. But the key to gaining muscle is consistency. You got to make sure you sleep really well. You got to make sure you train and you train hard and take your muscles to failure. Challenge your body. If you want your body to become something that it's never been before, you need to take it to places it's never gone before. And then your nutrition is key. And if you want to grow, there's no shortcuts to growing when it comes to nutrition. Unfortunately, you got to eat really, really good, high quality foods. Now, you got to make sure that you don't have dietary restrictions. But when I'm focusing on growth, I'm going to be eating things like rice. I'm going to be, honestly, I'm going to be, when I'm focusing on growth, I'm going to eat the same foods that I'm focusing on when I'm trying to lose body fat, but higher quantities of them. Eggs, cheese, yogurt, rice, potatoes, uh, salmon, red meat, chicken, vegetables, and all those things and keeping my water intake high. And then I'm going to try to increase the amount of those foods that I eat. Certain foods are gonna keep you more full, like potatoes, for example, are gonna keep you more full than rice. So if you're trying to add weight, you're better to prioritize rice over potatoes. But potatoes are good to have in your diet because of the magnesium in them. If you don't have any any potatoes in your diet, then maybe you should be taking a magnesium supplement based on what you can actually do. But these are things that, I would personally look at. 
And then it is really easy actually to eat enough food to grow. And a really neat trick to get more food into your diet is eggs. Like you can throw an egg in every single meal and microwave that egg in every single meal. And it's hundred calories per egg. And you barely even notice a difference in food volume, which means you won't be feeling like you're force feeding yourself. Right. Um, so Isaiah, the key to growth, bro, is consistency. It's consistency with your diet, eating whole nutritious foods that are high in calories, but also high in vitamins and minerals. If we want to grow, we need to have our body in a position of thriving, not surviving. So no processed foods, no shortcuts, no like the seafood bulk, eating everything that you see kind of stuff. That's just going to lead to you probably getting fat and out of shape and not growing muscle. Um, so those whole nutritious foods consistently, I personally eat five to six meals per day. And I make sure that my body has everything it needs to thrive because you can't grow if your body's in a position of survival. It'll only grow if it's in a position of thriving, right? And those vitamins and those minerals and stuff, are th those things are very important, okay? Um, sleep, you need to sleep at least seven hours per night. Absolutely at least seven hours per night. No, difference than no different than trying to lose body fat. Sleep seven hours per night. If you're trying to grow and you're training really, really hard, Sometimes you might need to sleep more than that, but sleep is seven hours per night, absolute minimum. It's also important to have a sleep routine and a sleep schedule. Obviously this applies to fat loss as well, but if you have a good sleep routine in alignment with the circadian rhythm, rhythm, you know, like the sun and moon and all that stuff, then you're going to have a higher quality of sleep. And if you have a higher quality of sleep and you get into a position of REM sleep, then you're going to likely grow more, right? And consistently train, eat, sleep, and hydrate consistently. It's all the same things as which you would use to lose body fat, but it's like more of them, right? Um, more foods, right? Maybe more sleep right? Rest. Rest is huge when it comes to growing as well. I have grown a lot, uh, training a lot and often. I've probably grown more training less frequency. I believe I've had my best, pardon me, I believe I've had my best year and, and a bit of growth, only training four days per week, training extremely hard. Another thing to consider is depending on how strong you are and how heavy you're training, that dictates how often you can train, okay? Because there's a central nervous system challenge and that takes place from weightlifting. Everything in our life causes stress. Weightlifting causes stress. The key to growing is creating enough stress to start the mechanism of adaptation for growth, getting enough rest to recover. Well, if you can squat, say a 150-pound woman can squat 125 pounds for a set of 10. That's a hard set of squats for her, okay? But it's 125 pounds. I'm a 200-ish pound man. 
And at times I've been able to squat 315 pounds for sets of 12. That's the same level of difficulty based upon what we're capable of as individuals, but a 315 pound squat loaded on your back creates more stress and a higher induced state of fatigue than a 125 pound bar would put on your back. So the stronger you get and the more intense your training is, the more recovery you need and the less frequent you can train or the more times that you need to take off. So I listened, I did a post on, or pardon me, I did a podcast and a training on HIT training, high intensity training, which is low volume, taking your sets to complete failure. And what I talked about in it is when you train that hard, you have to recognize when it's time to pull back or take a week off entirely. I wrote that presentation before listening to Dorian Yates in a seminar at Swiss Symposium where he talks about if he could change anything, he would have pulled back more frequently and he would have maybe even trained less often as he got stronger. Okay. So for me, for example, if I can, if I can bench press 185 pounds for 12, let's say I haven't bench pressed in a long time, but arbitrarily 185 pounds for 12. Okay. That creates a level of stress on my body. Dorian Yates could bench press 405 pounds for 12. Well, Dorian Yates need to pull back on his training to recover more often when he's working with those kinds of weights than say somebody like me would at 185 pounds and a 120 pound woman who can bench press 70 pounds or 60 pounds might not to take, might not need to, and definitely will not need to take as much time off for recovery in order to grow muscle as I would. Okay. So it's about those things, hard training stimulus, great nutrition, whole foods, lots of rest and recovery, and then adapting as you improve. What works in the beginning isn't going to be what works two years down the road, okay? So you focus on those things and take notes. You track things. You take pictures. You take your body weight. You track your weights. Are you getting stronger when you're lifting? Are you able to progress in your lifts? great, then you're probably doing okay. The moment that you see that you can't progress in your lifts anymore, if gaining muscle is your main priority, then you probably need to pull back the intensity of your training for a little bit because you're in a state where you're not recovering anymore. And if you want to grow, you need to recover better. So you need to listen to your body. Okay. So it's really, really important that you track things, take notes, understand where you're at. I'm at a stage in my training where I'll be honest with everybody. I don't do that. However, I've been training since I was like 13 years old and I'm quite aware of what I'm capable of and I'm quite aware that my weights are going up and when I'm feeling really smashed, I pull back, right? So um, was that really useful for everybody? Was that really helpful and insightful and uh, hopefully offered some things that people maybe don't always consider? Okay, awesome. There's a little bit of a shorter one today, I guess. Wasn't a ton of questions, but I seem to always find an ability to ramble. Um, 
So if you found that useful, just comment useful or say thanks, Tom, in the chat. Um, and we will see everybody next Wednesday. Take care. Oh, and if you haven't joined the tribe, because I didn't shut it off on my personal page uh, and on YouTube, lucky you folks, go join Tom the Trainer's Tribe because I won't always post these in those platforms. Just trying to grow the tribe right now. I want to make sure people are able to take advantage of it. But very soon, this is going to be 100% exclusive to the tribe. And I don't always post them on those platforms. If you're listening to the podcast and you're not in Tom the Trainer's Tribe, make sure that you check the link in the description of the podcast and you go join so I can answer your questions too. Have a phenomenal day, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at Tom the Trainer Fitness.